Nolan Investigations. I run that Boston-based detective agency that my dad started many years ago. Now that dad is retired, it's up to me and my mom Gladys to keep this place in the black. I've seen a lot of strange things in my time here, and I never know what the next knock on the office door is going to bring. I'm Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Misfits Audio is proud to present Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Episode 15 is entitled, Ho Ho Homicide. Christmas time in Boston. It's a beautiful sight. The snow falling lightly on the common, and the big tree aglow with lights outside of the Prudential Center. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved it. If, as the old saying goes, Christmas is for children, then I guess I've never grown up. Murdoch's department store has always been a big part of Christmas for me. Mom and Dad took me there as a kid every year to have my photo taken with Santa. I remember being astounded by their Christmas decorations, and of course, the Santa Claus whose lap I sat on was definitely the real McCoy. Heading over to Murdoch's in the light snow, very early one Saturday morning to pick up a few more gifts, I was pleased to see that they had the North Pole Village set up for the kids' pictures with the big guy in the red suit. It hadn't changed much since I was a kid. Santa's throne sat in one corner between a plastic Rudolph with a glowing red nose and a pile of presents that looked ready to topple at any minute. Waist-high plastic structures with signs reading, Train Station, Gingerbread House and Elves Quarters stood among lots of fake snow and several gaily decorated trees. Even at this early hour, maybe 15 minutes after the store opened, there was a line of anxious kids waiting to sit on Santa Claus's lap. But Santa was nowhere to be seen. Charles Murdoch, the owner of the store and a good friend of my family, was talking animatedly and none too happily to the line of grumbling parents waiting to have this Christmas immortalized on film. I approached him to see if there was anything I could do to help. May I please have your attention? Where's Santa? If you'll let me explain. My kid wants his picture taken with Santa Claus. And we don't have all day, mister. Where is the guy? Is there anything I can do to help? Well, <laughs> as I live and breathe, Jim Nolan. In the flesh. How's the family? Fine, thank you. How about you and yours? Everyone's happy and healthy. I was so glad to hear that your dad is finally home safe. That makes two of us. Mom always has a big Christmas, but it's going to be even bigger this year. I can imagine. Will there be pictures with Santa today or not? Problems, Mr. Madoc? <sighs> Our Santa Claus is AWOL. With all these kids waiting for him? And their unhappy parents. 
I've got Mrs. Ballard looking for him right at... Ah, here she comes now. Well? I don't know where he is, sir. Oh, you're not making my Christmas very merry, Lucille. I'm sorry. I've got every available staff member looking for him. Miss Landers swears that she saw him here before the store opened this morning. Then where did he go? I wish I knew. Tell everyone to keep looking. Yes, Mr. Murdoch. And please, get me some aspirin. Right away. Ladies and gentlemen, may I... Hey, what about us kids? And ladies and gentlemen and kids, it seems that Santa has been detained as he um, feeds the reindeer. Yes, that's it. I have all of my available staff looking for Santa at this moment to remind him that it's time to greet the children and have pictures taken. Yeah, Betty's sleeping off a Friday night bender. What, <laughs> Mom? Uh, to make this up to all of you, every family will receive a complimentary 8x10 color photograph of your little darling is sitting on Santa's lap. On behalf of everyone at Murdoch's department store, I apologize for this inconvenience. Leaning on the small building labeled Elves Quarters, I watched Charlie try his best to placate the angry parents. At that moment, I would not have traded my job for his for any amount of money. As I turned to leave and start my shopping, I noticed something seeping out from under the Elves Quarters building. My heart sank as I saw the liquid was red and all too familiar. Trying to be nonchalant, I slowly eased the door of the waist-high building open just a crack. I'd found Mr. Murdoch's missing Santa Claus, lying in a heap in a pool of his own blood with a bullet hole between his eyes. So much for the season of peace on earth and goodwill toward men, at least at Murdoch's department store in Boston, Massachusetts. As Jim tries to get Mr. Murdoch's attention without causing a panic among his store's shoppers, we pause to inform you that this 15th episode of Jim Nolan Private Eye is entitled Ho Ho Homicide. We now return to Murdoch's department store. Lieutenant Carmichael has arrived with the coroner, Dr. David Swenson. Both of them have been escorted to the North Pole Village, where Jim is waiting for them. Amid great cries of protest, the entire area has been curtained off from the curious eyes of the public. Jim! Lieutenant, I didn't expect to see you on a Saturday morning. Crime doesn't only happen during business hours. You remember Dr. Swenson? Of course. Morning, sir. Morning, Mr. Nolan. Might I see the body? Sure. Follow me. He's in here. Inside this little house? That's right. 
I noticed the blood seeping out from underneath. Then I discovered the body. When was that, Jim? About 9.45. I called the police department as soon as I had a chance. It looks awfully cramped in there. Let's have a peek. smell the burnt powder from here. Whoever shot this poor soul must have done so at very close range. Has the body been identified? Yes, Mr. Philip Bagley. And obviously from the red suit. He was Murdoch's Santa for hire. That's right. Anything else? Mr. Murdoch's gone to retrieve Bagley's employee file. He should be back soon. He also mentioned a break room where we might find something. There are lockers in there where employees keep their personal effects. He can get us into Bagley's locker with his master key. Good. It's bad enough that someone killed this guy, but then they tried to hide the body by stuffing it in here. Can this house be moved off the body? Yeah. My boys are done with the crime scene now. We can't expect you to climb into that little house too, Doc. I don't believe it's bolted to the floor. Can you grab the other side, Lieutenant? Sure thing. Ready? On three. One, two, three. Is that good, Doc? Perfect. Put it down anywhere. How's right here, to the left of the body? Works for me. Thank you, gentlemen. I can do a preliminary examination of the body here, but I'll want to get it back to my office for a more thorough look. We'll figure out a way to get the corpse past all those shoppers. Jim, what is Murdoch telling customers the problem is that made him curtain off the village? Weak floorboards. He said they needed to be inspected before the village could open again tomorrow morning. Whatever works, I suppose. Here's Mr. Bagley's employee record, Jim. Thanks. Lieutenant Carmichael, Dr. Swenson... This is Mr. Murdoch, the owner of the store. Mr. Murdoch? Sir. Gentlemen, who could have done such a thing, Lieutenant? That's what we're going to find out. Dr. Swenson will need to take the body out of here before too long. I want you to provide him with some cover. Like what? Anything. Make it something that won't seem out of the ordinary to your shoppers. We don't want to spoil their holiday moods. How about your maintenance guys? Couldn't they hide the corpse in something and get it out of here through a back door? I suppose they could. Yes, that would work. I'll get in touch with Joe Hamilton, my maintenance supervisor. Charlie, before I found the body, I heard the woman who reported to you... Uh, Mrs. Ballard? Yes, that was her name. She mentioned that a Miss Landers saw Mr. Backley alive and well before the store opened this morning. That's right. I had forgotten about Miss Landers and all the confusion. We'll want to talk with her. Of course. I'll arrange it. Also, have any employees called in sick today or left early for any reason? Not that I know of. I'll verify that with my secretary. I could probably have Miss Landers meet you in the break room in about 15 minutes. Would that do? Have a seat, Miss Landers. 
th th thank you. There's no reason to be nervous, miss. We simply want to ask you some questions about Mr. Bagley. I understand. What a horrible thing to have happened. And in our store. It would have been horrible anywhere. This is Jim Nolan. He's a private investigator and a good friend of the Murdoch family. Hello. Hello. Miss Landis, do you know what time it was this morning when you saw Mr. Bagley? Probably around 8.45 or so. We open at 9.30. You're certain it was him? Definitely. He was all dressed up in his Santa suit, except for the beard, which he never put on until he had to. He said it was itchy. Did you speak with him? No, I try not to. Why is that? M Mr. Bagley has been a little flirtatious recently. I tried to avoid speaking with him unless it's absolutely necessary in the performance of my duties. Flirtatious? Yes. How so? What did he do? Do I really have to talk about this? I it makes me uncomfortable. We need every bit of information we can get so we can solve this case. He whistled at me. Is that all? Is that all? That may seem like nothing to you, Lieutenant, but I happen to be the only daughter of a preacher. Perhaps my morals are stricter than yours? Perhaps they are. I I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that. For forgive me. It's quite all right. So, Mr. Bagley whistled at you? Several times. Anything else? On his breaks, he often found the time to wander over to my jewelry counter. He always commented on how nice I looked. Maybe he was just being polite? Maybe, but with the difference in our ages, it came over as, well, creepy. I suppose it would. Did you notify Mr. Murdoch about this problem? No, I did not. Why didn't you? My father also taught me to deal with what life sends my way and not to go crying to someone when I get dealt the bad hand. I figured that Mr. Bagley would only be here until Christmas, so why start trouble? He seemed like a nice enough man, though undesirably amorous. I thought I'd just stick it out. Come in. Excuse me, Lieutenant. Would it be all right for Miss Landers to return to her post? It's getting near the busy portion of our day. Of course. Thank you for your time, miss. You're welcome. It was delightful to meet you both. Are you coming, Mr. Murdoch? Well, not just yet. I'll see you upstairs shortly. Charlie Murdoch opened up Mr. Bagley's locker with his master key and informed us that no employees had called in sick or left early today. Also, no one was scheduled to leave any earlier than closing time, 6 o'clock p.m. You want me to do what, Lieutenant? Go around the store and verify that all the employees who should be here are really here. Well, that will take some time. I expect it will. We have several dozen employees present today to handle the Christmas rush. Then the earlier you get started, 
the better. Okay. Mr. Murdoch, let me explain. Miss Lander said she definitely saw Bagley alive and well about 45 minutes before the store opened. When Jim showed up, he was dead. That was only about 15 minutes after you opened. Whoever killed Bagley and shoved him inside that elves' quarters house had to have shot him somewhere in that 60-minute period. He never could have hidden the body successfully after the store was open. He would have been spotted. So you think the gunman is one of my employees? Or someone with access to the store, yes. There's no other explanation. Oh, my. I'll get that information for you as soon as possible. There's nothing in Bagley's record indicating that he was anything but a good worker. Just a little frisky. Here's a notation commending him on his punctuality and his ability to work overtime. Sounds like he was a good guy. So why does someone snuff out the life of a good guy? Especially this time of year. Beats me. With the several dozen employees Charlie Murdoch mentioned, how did no one hear the gunshot that killed Bagley? A silencer, maybe? Also, those Christmas tunes are a little loud. They'd provide good cover if the killer knew when a really noisy piece was coming up. Ah, here's Bagley's wallet. Just what I was looking for. License, credit cards, store employee pass. Oh, hell. What? Look at this picture. Must be his family. Three kids. <sighs> I'm telling you, Jim, I've always hated death, but I hate it even more around the holidays. I know them. You do? Well, kind of. I've seen that woman and those kids. Where? They live in my apartment building. Are you sure? Bagley's license doesn't have your address on it. I don't think they've been in my building for long. He must not have changed it yet. You know what a pain in the butt a trip to the Registry of Motor Vehicles can be. But you're certain it's them. I've definitely seen them in the lobby a few times. So you don't know them well? No, just enough to say good morning. I don't even know what apartment they're in, but my building manager would. Am I getting the hint that you want to give them the bad news? Me? You do know them, kind of. That's more than I can say. Could you? I suppose so. It might be easier on them, especially around this time of year, to hear the news from an acquaintance and not a cop. I understand. Come in! Gentlemen. Doc? McManus, when did you get here? Eh, maybe about a half hour ago, boss. The store owner has figured out a way to get the body to the morgue in secret. I'll be helping. Good. Keep things as quiet as possible. Will do. Are you coming, Doc? I'll be just a minute. Gotcha. 
I've done all I can do here, Lieutenant. What are your preliminary findings? Like I said, whoever shot Bagley did so at very close range. The bullet tore a hole in his skull and traveled in a downward trajectory into the body. It's likely still inside him. I'll be able to find it back at the morgue so I can give you the caliber. How did the murderer manage to get so close to Bagley? I have the likely answer to that. What? His right eye is made of glass. You don't say. The glass eye would have given whoever did the shooting a pretty big blind spot to use. Of course, he or she would have to know about the eye being a prosthetic to take advantage of its limitations. Thanks, Doc. You'd better be getting upstairs now. Hello? Jim, it's Mom. I was about to hang up. I just got home. I was visiting with Helen Bagley downstairs. How did that go? Uh, I suppose as well as can be expected. She cried a lot. She talked about her husband. And I talked about Trudy. I think it was good for both of us. What about the kids? She's going to tell them later. I don't envy her that. Neither do I. I don't think it was fair, Walter, to have you tell Helen the bad news. Don't get mad at him, Mom. He only suggested it. I'm the one who agreed to do it. If you say so. Anything new on Mr. Bagley? I shall be going to see his doctor tomorrow. With Walter? Yes. Whoever killed Bagley must have known that he had a glass eye and used that blindness to sneak up on him and murder him. I wonder who would such a thing. I don't think too many people would. It's not something you mention offhand. You've got a point. The devil's in the details. I got that from Dad. We might learn nothing from visiting the doctor, but you never know. It's a stone that needs to be turned. Thank you for meeting with us on a Sunday, Dr. Norton. You're welcome. I'm sorry I was unavailable yesterday, but I was out of town for a family wedding. Not to worry. I was so upset to hear of Phil Bagley's death. He was a fine man. Have you learned who killed him? Not yet. We're hoping that you might give us a lead. Anything I can do. What do you know about Mr. Bagley's glass eye? Oh, only as much as he told me. Uh, he lost his eye in the Korean War. A landmine exploded near him. Jeez. Fortunately, he got medical attention right away, but the eye couldn't be saved. Who knows that he had a glass eye? Well, I do, and any other doctors he might visit. I suppose the majority of his family would know. Uh, oh, and Joe Blackmore. Uh, who's he? Phil's best friend. They served together in Korea. 
It was Joe, a medic, who got Phil to a mash unit as quickly as possible after the landmine exploded. I have no doubt that his fast action saved Phil's life that day. Sounds like quite a guy. He is. He's a patient of mine as well. Did you see him at Murdoch's yesterday? He was at the store. He works there. He has for years. As a matter of fact, the last time I spoke to Joe, he said that he was recommending Phil for a position at Murdoch's. Is that friendship or what? Yes, Joe has worked here for a number of years. Where? In our sporting goods department. And did he recommend Phil Bagley for the Santa job? We certainly did. Here at Murdoch's, if an employee recommends someone and that person is hired, the employee receives a bonus of $100. Have you given Blackmore his bonus? We certainly did. The day that Mr. Bagley became the star... Are you implying that Joe Blackmore killed Mr. Bagley? We haven't ruled anyone out yet. Is Blackmore working today? Yes. With the Christmas rush, many of our employees are working weekends. You said he works in sporting goods. He does, up on the fourth floor. Please, follow me. Here's your change, ma'am. I'm sure your son will enjoy that football for Christmas. It's the best money can buy. Mr. Blackmore. Yes, sir. These gentlemen would like to speak with you. Sure thing. This is Lieutenant Carmichael of the Boston Police. I've got him! Hold it right there, Blackmore. All right. You okay, Jim? Fine. What are you running for, Blackmore? It's time for my break. I didn't want to miss it. Do you always run when a cop shows up? Well, it's not your break time for another 20 minutes, Joe. Joseph Blackmore, I'm placing you under arrest for the murder of Philip Bagley. You have the right to remain... Yeah, yeah, I know all that junk already. So, you understand your rights? Yes, I, I did some time in the clink back in the early 60s. I know the drill. You were in prison? Yeah, armed robbery. You didn't put that on your application form. Would you have hired me if I had? Why get to it, Blackmore? <sighs> For... her. Her who? Helen. Backley's widow? Yeah, she should be my wife. Her kids should be my kids. We dated for years. Then when Phil came back from Korea with that injury, he was like a damn superhero to her. She dropped me like a hot potato with a Dear John letter and, and took up with him. So you recommended Bagley for the Santa job because you wanted to kill him? Uh-huh. 
I tried it a few times before, but I could never get things just the way I wanted them. I figured that if he worked here, we'd, we'd both be in a confined space and I'd find a good time when, when there weren't any people around to pull the trigger. Then Helen would be mine. You'd just move right in on her? Sure, I'm a handsome guy. She's got three kids. She needs a man around the house to provide for her and them. Not in this way. That glass eye of his gave me my chance. I snuck up on him when no one was around, and a really loud Christmas carol came over the speaker. <laughs> and pow. He never even turned. The only problem was that I ran out of time while waiting for the moment to be just right. So I just hid the body in the North Pole Village and hightailed it out of there. Where's the gun? I'm not telling. You can search all you want. You won't find it until Christmas 1999. You really thought that Helen Badley would marry you just like that? Sure I did. We would have been married by next Christmas. Mark my words. Well, Joe, where you're going, you won't have to worry about Christmas ever again. expect to see you today. May I come in? Certainly. I brought presents for the kids. You didn't have to do that. I wanted to. Let me put them under the tree. That was very kind of you. Thank you. Glad to do it. I'm an only child, so I don't have any nieces and nephews, and like I told you, I have no kids. Buying those gifts gave me an excuse to wander through Murdoch's toy department. The stuff they have for kids nowadays. You're right about that. Much better than we ever had. Are the kids here? No, they're playing with some friends downstairs. I, I wanted to thank you for attending Phil's funeral the other day. I was glad to pay my respects. I still can't believe that Joe Blackmore... I know. Jim, would you sit, please? Sure. I, I do hope I haven't given you the wrong impression. What do you mean? With Phil gone, I'm not looking for some Prince Charming to swoop in here and whisk me off my feet. Of course you're not. I hope I never gave you that impression. No, but you've been so kind. What with personally telling me what happened, attending the service, and now bringing toys over for the kids. I'm just trying to be friendly. We can be friends, can't we? Sure we can. Close friends. <laughs> you can't get much closer than two flights up. <laughs> That's right. And if I ever do start looking for a prince, Jim, I couldn't imagine one more charming than you. 
starring our regular cast. Russell Gold as Jim Nolan, Joyce Bender as Gladys Nolan, Brian Bedard as Lieutenant Walter Carmichael, and Katie Daynert as the narrator. Guests starring in this episode were Joe Stofko as Charles Murdoch, Joni Daynert as Kid Number One, Victor Gates as Man Number One, Lynn Cullen as Woman, Amanda Fitzwater as Lucille Ballard, Haley Lynn Stofko as Kid Number Two, Brian M. Oldham as Man Number Two, Chloe Daynert as Kid Number Three, Jim Patton as Dr. David Swenson, Katie Daynert as Miss Ellen Landers, Paul LaBelle as Sergeant McManus, Peter Catt as Dr. Norton, H. Keith Lyons as Joe Blackmore, and Kim Giannopoulos as Helen Bagley. Jim Nolan Private Eye was created by Mike Murphy and Arlene Osborne. Ho Ho Homicide was written by Mike Murphy. The Jim Nolan Private Eye theme was composed and performed by Vivian Dosko. Please hear more of her wonderful music at myspace.com slash Vivian Dosko. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-D-O-S-K-O-W. Producer, Captain John Tadrzak. Assistant producer, Mike Murphy. Mixer, Tazaz Kostopoulos. Script editor, Arlene Osborne. Webmaster, April Sadowski. Art director, Alexa Chipman. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrzak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy, the author of this story, gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. This production is for enjoyment purposes only. I'm your narrator, Katie Daynert. This is an original production by Misfits Audio, copyright 2011. And, on behalf of everyone at Misfits Audio, Merry Christmas.